0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. How many of you have... uh... Ever had that thought, something happens, or you hear something, and your reaction uh, is, now I've heard everything. Now I've seen everything. Ever had that thought, that reaction? Yeah. Uh, I kinda had that uh, when I came across an obituary uh, by a man named Leslie Ray Popeye Sharping of Galveston, Texas. He was a man who was 74 years old. He had died of cancer on January 30th in 2017. And his family wrote a very lengthy obituary uh, that went uh, not only viral, but it had so many hits that it actually shut down the website uh, several times of the newspaper. And so I'm just gonna give you the obituary uh, in full. And it says, Leslie Ray Popeye Charping was born in Galveston, Texas on November 20th, 1942 and passed away January 30th, 2017, which was 29 years longer than it expected and much longer than he deserved. Now this is actual obituary that a family wrote Leslie battled with cancer in his latter years and lost his battle ultimately due to being the horses patout, uh, but they didn't use that uh, he was known for he leaves behind two very relieved children a son Leslie Roy Charping and a daughter Sheila Smith along with six grandchildren and countless other victims including an ex-wife, relatives, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, and random strangers. At a young age, Leslie quickly became a model example of bad parenting combined with mental illness and a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive. Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy, but not so much in a brave and patriotic way, but more as a part of a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. While enlisted, Leslie was uh, the Navy boxing champion and went on to sufficiently embarrass the family and country by spending the remainder of his service in the Balboa Mental Health Hospital, receiving much-needed mental health care services. Leslie was surprisingly intelligent. However, he lacked ambition and, motivated, and motivation to do anything more than being reckless, wasteful, squandering the family's savings and fantasizing about get-rich-quick schemes. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family pets, and fishing, which he was less skilled with than the previously mentioned. Leslie's life served no other obvious purpose. He did not contribute to society or serve his community, and he possessed no redeeming qualities besides being quick-witted sarcasm, which was amusing during his sober days." With Leslie's passing, he will be missed only for what he never did, being a loving husband, father, and good friend. No services will be held. There will be no prayers for eternal peace and no apologies to the family he tortured. Leslie's remains will be cremated and kept in the barn until Ray, the family's donkey's wood shavings, run out. Leslie's passing proves that evil does in fact die and hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for all who remain. How inspiring. Yeah. Hopefully none of us will ever live or leave a life that an obituary like that can be written of us. I think it goes to goes without saying that leaving things right and good with his family, leaving some fond memories for his family was not on Leslie Ray's bucket list. We're in a series that we've been doing now for the last couple of weeks called Bucket List. And the premise of the series uh, has been that there should be certain things that are on our bucket list, things that we want to make sure we say and or do before we die. And again, Jesus had a bucket list. Now, he didn't call it that. But there was at least seven things that we know of that were on Jesus' bucket list. These were seven things he was very clear to do or to say before he died on Good Friday there in Jerusalem. That day when Jesus was hanging there upon the cross, he's dying in our place. He is taking the full wrath of God for sin upon himself, and he does, and this again is just amazing, is he does and says some things there that we also need to do and to say before we leave this earth. The first thing we talked about that was on his bucket list again was forgiving those who had crucified him. He looked out, saw those that were responsible for his crucifixion, and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are Doing so, we need to forgive anybody that uh, has wronged us or hurt us. We need to just have a clean slate with people. Next, he pardoned a criminal. He forgave a criminal, and he promised that forgiven criminal that he would be with him in paradise uh, on that day. And, and again, we talked last week. That criminal made the right choice. Two men hung on the cross next to Jesus, one on each side. One man made the wrong choice, and he was eternally separated from God. One man made the right choice, and he was with Jesus that day in paradise. We need to make the same choice as well. This morning, we're going to look at Jesus's last words to his mother, as the video there kind of uh, introduced us to His mother's there, she's watching him die amongst many others. And because there's one last piece of business Jesus has to take care of and he turns his attention to uh, that of his family. Uh, Again, he has some family matters that he needs to attend to. The great English writer and journalist G.K. Chesterton uh, once said, he said, we spend the first half of our lives fighting with our parents and the second half of our lives fighting with our children. (laughs) Probably true, right? I believe we need to spend as much of our lives up to our last breath with all the ability within us, taking care of and making sure things are good and right uh, with our families before we die. These last words of Jesus, again, teaches us, he's showing us how to do that And he wants to make sure that just as his list is complete, he's also wanting to make sure that our list are complete as well. And there are at least three things that Jesus does there. And I think they're the same three things we need to make sure we do that things are settled and things are right with our family. First thing Jesus did was he loved his family selflessly. Famous English writer Samuel Johnson once said, when a man knows he is about to be hanged, it concentrates his mind wonderfully. In other words, when you know you're about to die, it just has a way of helping you to become very focused on what is important and what is not. If there was ever a time when you would expect anybody think only of themselves and nobody else it would be when you're about to die even as jesus was facing not just a physical death we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week but as he is facing also a spiritual death, a spiritual separation from his heavenly father that he had never, ever known, never, ever experienced in his earthly existence. He was not thinking about himself solely. He was thinking about others. That's incredible to me. Especially his earthly mother, who is standing at the foot of the cross, watching everything unfold. John 19, beginning in verse 25, it says, now near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. No mother in the history of the world had a son like Mary did. Jesus, again, there he is. He's bearing the weight of the sins of the whole world. He is enduring the wrath of God on our behalf. Hanging beside two criminals, listening to the taunting, the jeering of the crowds who looked upon him, he takes one last opportunity to ensure his mother is taken care of. If you're a mom here this morning, just try to put yourself as best you can in Mary's place. She's witnessing the horrific death of her firstborn son, That in and of itself is unnatural. I've heard people who have lost a child will tell me how unnatural that is. I never ever expected to bury my child, I expected my child to bury me. It's unnatural. But not only was what Mary was watching unnatural, it was unnerving, to say the least. Jesus wasn't dying instantly. He wasn't dying quietly. He wasn't dying suddenly. He was dying the most painful, shameful, excruciating death known to mankind. And Mary had to look at all of that and thought, surely this is unnecessary. It doesn't match what he's done. Maybe every other human being crucified on that day or any day before that deserved to die, but not my Jesus. And yet here Jesus is dying the death of a convicted criminal. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus looks out at her and gives her this assuring word, woman, here is your son. Now, now, Jesus wasn't saying this referring to himself. As you're gonna see, he said this referring to his disciple, uh, John. And what Jesus was saying to his mother was, don't worry about the future. I took care of you while I was here upon the earth. John is going to take care of you after I'm gone. Now, it'll surprise you uh, to see that that Jesus addresses Mary not by the name mother, but by the word woman. Now, again, in our our culture, oftentimes that can kind of come across as very cold and distant and disrespectful. But back in those days, it was a term of respect and great honor. As a matter of fact, never in the Gospels is Jesus ever recorded as calling Mary mother. And here at the cross, he doesn't call her mother, he calls her woman. Why? Because at this moment, as he hung there upon the cross, he was not primarily her son. He was primarily her savior. He wasn't dying there upon the cross as Mary's son. He was dying there upon the cross as Mary's savior, as our savior. She'd always been an earthly mother, but he was really always more a heavenly son than he was an earthly son. This is the point not to forget, even though Jesus was dying as her savior, he did not forget that while living, he was still her child, her son. And he has just provided a heavenly home for a wicked thief, and now he provides an earthly home for a wonderful mother. Jesus loved his family selflessly. I know this may be hard for some of you to live, listen to. I know any of you that are familiar with my background know that I came from a very, very difficult relationship with my mother. And sometimes when we hear messages like this, it becomes very, very difficult to to listen to and, and to do what Jesus did. Because some of you maybe have had a mother that you were raised by and you were ostracized or you were abused or you were neglected Maybe you were even rejected by your mother. It may be that you've tried to love other family members and you've been rejected and rebuffed by them. I would just say to you to take a great lesson from what Jesus did on the cross. Take every opportunity to love those who are nearest and dearest to you. Make sure you love them before you leave them or before they leave you. Yes, you may have to rid yourself of some pride. You may have to do what Jesus did, and that is you may have to forgive people who did not know or understand or maybe even care what they were doing. And maybe for some of you, that's the first step is to forgive. But do what Jesus did and don't think about yourself first and foremost. Think about others first and love them selflessly. Second, leave your family thoughtfully. Jesus has just assured his mother that she was going to take care of and and she was going to be looked after once he was gone. She knows that now. Because of the next thing Jesus says to that disciple John, who's standing there next to her in verse 27, and to the disciple, here is your mother. Now, again, he, he uses that word mother there again because of the relationship he's trying to establish between John and Mary. He looks at this disciple, John, who wrote this gospel, and he effect says, John, I'm going to a throne. I'm going uh, back to my heavenly father. Mom, my mother is now going to your home. And what's interesting is he doesn't really ask John. This is not a request. It's a command. Jesus tells John, you are going to take my mother and make her your mother. And I don't want you to miss the timing of this statement. Now, again, keep in mind and do the best you can to kind of put yourself in Jesus's place upon that cross. I mean, he is hanging there. And I kind of, if you've never ever read that, just Google, you know, crucifixion. And, and there was a doctor that wrote a kind of a lengthy paper about what you kind of experience physically, emotionally, uh, you know, mentally, uh, enduring crucifixion. And here Jesus is nailed to a cross, he is in the peak of agony torment, suffering, pain. He is doing his hardest, greatest work for mankind, yet he takes time. And he puts it all aside to the best that he can to take care of his earthly mom. Here's the thing, for many of us that are doing ministry, serving God, even when you're doing God's work, even when you're trying to just make a living for your family, you should never, ever neglect the needs, the responsibility of your family. One thing I always have tried to convey to our staff here is one key principle, and I would hope that, that Callie could attest to that, is family always comes before ministry, Always. Anytime we ever have staff people that have family issues, uh, they call, they text, however they get a hold of me. I mean, it's just like, I mean, quickly, flatly, it is like, yes, you, you need to take care of your family. Uh, let ministry slide. Uh, just put your family first. When it comes to choice between our responsibilities to our family, our responsibility to our ministry, to the church, our families always come before Ministry. Jesus is demonstrating this very same principle in the clearest of terms in the midst of the most difficult, horrendous, agonizing moment of his earthly life. He is putting the needs of his mother front and center. The thought may have crossed your mind why is he turning his mom over to a non relative? Well, for all we know, Mary was most likely at that point a widow. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, we assume he had already died. And we assume that because the last time Joseph is mentioned was when Jesus was 12 years old and they found him there in the synagogue teaching the religious people. After that, Mary is mentioned multiple times. Joseph never is. So as the firstborn son, it was just expected back in that day, that culture, that Jesus would take care of his widowed mother. Now, it's true that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, so what about them? Well, the problem was they didn't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. In fact, they did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the promised Messiah, until well after the resurrection. And so they're nowhere to be found. So Jesus really basically has to turn to a non-relative, someone that Jesus had become closer to and more trusted than that of his own family. And there's something else going on here. And again, we wouldn't understand what is happening by again, just reading this with our, our Western mindset, our Western culture. But in Jewish thought in in Jewish tradition back in those days, any instructions or any spoken words by a dying man had the same legal force as if it was written on a piece of paper. In other words, in essence, Jesus is giving his last will and testament upon that cross. Now, it wasn't very long I read somewhere where the longest will ever probated was bound up in four volumes and contained over 95,000 words. How would you like to be the lawyer to have to read through all that? The shortest will on record was probated in Great Britain and it was three words, all for mother. This was basically the same as Jesus you talk about a practical application here. 70, get this, 70% of all Americans die without a will. 70% of all Americans die without a will. I understand it's not the you know, most happy thing that you'll ever do, but I don't think it's very wise. Because when you die without a will, guess who probates the will? And guess who decides who gets what and where everything goes? The state. I was talking with Janie yesterday and a friend of mine had a husband who died about nine months ago. Been married over 20 years. Uh, Death was unexpected. Suddenly, tragically, one day just died. And was talking with her Uh, the other day and just kind of asking how things were going and she kind of began to tell me about just all the struggles that she's been having because there was no will and this wasn't the first marriage for either of them they both had kids from their previous marriages relationships and his kids pretty much kind of came in and took everything there was no will Come in, took the money out of his wallet, out of his savings account, took out tens of thousands of property uh, from the home. There was nothing she could do. There was no will. And actually, she came to find out there was a will that he had forgotten about. And it was a will that left everything to his ex-wife. This is one way as a parent, as a spouse, that you can take care of your family. Every person, especially if you are a parent, you need to make sure you have a legal will who will take care of your children in the event you die while they are still minors you got to it, it's just wise to decide that ahead of time this is one thing Janie and I did you know early on in our family especially when you have six kids that's just not a surprise you want to spring on somebody okay <laughs> here's six kids <laughs> you don't want them you know somebody else deciding who they're going to go with you don't want them being split up We wanted to make sure the people we wanted to take our children wanted that, that they wanted that responsibility to do that. So decide ahead of time to at least make that part easier. And again, the whole point there is leave your family thoughtfully. Third thing is leave your family honorably. Why did John record these words from Jesus, Because he's the only gospel writer who does. Why did the Holy Spirit make sure that we knew about this conversation between Jesus and John regarding Mary? Listen what happened next in verse 27. From that time on, this disciple took Mary into his home. Not only did a mother adopt a son, but a son adopted a mother, and Jesus arranged the whole thing. Jesus was not going to leave this earth with any loose ends hanging. When it came to his family, he wanted to make sure there would be no regrets, no second thoughts. He had two responsibilities to fulfill as a savior and as a son, and he fully fulfilled both. There's one thing every one of us here have in common. We have all had parents. Okay, You wouldn't be here without parents. And Jesus dies fulfilling the fifth commandment, which is found in Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You are never too old to honor your parents, and your parents are never too old to be honored. If Jesus could honor his mother while he was dying, how much more should we be able to honor our parents while we are living? The older our parents get, the more determined we should be to love them, to look after them, to care for them. If we don't, who will? I want you to also notice there is a blessing attached to that commandment there in Deuteronomy 5.16. When we obey and we honor our father and our mother, God promises us a long, full, rich, blessed life. Now, of course, there are always exceptions to this, you know, even for Jesus himself. But generally speaking, there is a blessing that comes when we honor and obey this commandment. I'm gonna close with this story. There was a mother who had become quite old, and she was infirmed, and she couldn't get around very well, and she had to move in with their son's family, and things weren't working out too well because the mother was becoming very, very forgetful, and she didn't always kind of put things away. She wasn't all that neat, and, and she had a tendency to kind of drop and leave things, and the son, especially his wife, they were kind of neat freaks. And one night at dinner, while they were passing her plate of food, she dropped it, and the plate broke. Not only did food go all over the floor, but the daughter-in-law was outraged because this was a plate from the finest china set she owned. After dinner, she told her husband, you go down to the store, and I want you to buy a tin plate, one that cannot be broken. And he asked what it was for. And she said, it's going to be used by your mother from now on. So she won't break any more of my fine china. The husband left and he came back. And his and his wife discovered that he had bought two tin plates. And she said, why did you buy two? And he said, the other plate is for you when you get old. Are your parents... Still living? How's your relationship with them? Do you make room in your schedule for them? Are they a priority? When you were young, they didn't do it perfectly, but most parents, by my observation, try to meet every need that we've ever had. Are you doing the same in return? If you were to ask your parents, do you feel like I honor you? What would they say? Don't ever grow too old. Don't ever get too busy. To spend time with them, to learn from them, to make sure they know how much you love and respect them. God will honor you. God will bless you when you honor and you bless your parents. I'm going to just jump down to that last uh, slide there, uh, please. And in your worship folder, you'll see that we've kind of put in there an insert, uh, and it's called My Spiritual Bucket List. And the last couple of Sundays, as we've kind of gone through this... um, We want to today just give you an opportunity to kind of begin to think, if you haven't already, to kind of begin to think about and maybe even write down some things that maybe need to be on your bucket list this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and as I talked about, you know, again, unforgiveness, maybe there's some of you here this morning, and it may involve a parent, may involve a caretaker, And maybe there's some things that were done to you as a child, maybe even some things that were done to you as an adult that have created a rift, a disconnect between you and your parents. And and maybe as we've talked about that this morning, there just needs to come some forgiveness from you where you just simply release them, let them go. Just simply acknowledge, God, just as those people who crucified you, they didn't know, they didn't understand what they were doing And God, I'm going to take that same attitude, I'm going to take that same approach, and I'm going to forgive this person and that person because I don't think they knew what they were doing, and maybe they didn't care. But regardless, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to let that go. I choose to allow that sin to be absorbed into the cross. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and maybe you, you know, kind of, You know, as Callie kind of talked maybe this morning, maybe you've never ever experienced the love of God. Maybe you've never experienced the grace of God. Maybe you've never really had a relationship with God. That is available. It is possible this morning because of what Jesus did on that cross. He took the full wrath of God for sin upon himself. And when he said it is finished, that is what he meant. It is finished. Sin is has been completely and fully dealt with. And when we just simply put our faith and trust in what Jesus did upon that cross, it's as if he takes our sin and says, okay, I hung there for that too. And so this morning, maybe you just need to make the right choice this morning, like that thief on the cross. And maybe this morning, it's just time for you. And I know some of you last week, as we talked about that, some of you made that right choice. Some of you came to Jesus last week. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that just need to honor your mother and your father. Maybe as I've talked about that, and again, no, none of us do it perfectly. And maybe this morning, it's just saying, I just need to just recommit my heart uh, to honoring my mother and And my father, listen, I I grew up with a very abusive mom. And and it was a struggle for me at times to honor her. But God has shown and continues to show me ways to honor her. and, And I do that. And so this morning, I just say to you, if you've got a parent that maybe you don't have all that great of a relationship with this morning, just ask God, God, show me how to honor them in a way that honors you, because that's really what it's all about. We wanna honor our parents because it honors God, when we do that. Now, maybe there's some other things on your spiritual bucket list that uh, I haven't talked about, may get to it later on in the series. We're going to have these available uh, throughout the rest of the series. And so this morning, if you've got one, two, three, or maybe you need to use the backside for your spiritual bucket list, some things you want to do or say before you die, we want you to write that out. And then this morning, as you come up and take communion, we're going to ask, we kind of tried to create a a creative way of doing this. We'll see how it works. Um, You can just kind to take that. You don't need to put your name on it. I, we're not going to look at these, but we don't want you to put your name on it. We want you to be able to be as honest, as open uh, as you can, and then you're just going to take that. You're going to fold that, and then when you come up here for communion, you can kind of just take that and just stick it in the chicken wire as best you can and just kind of get it in down there, okay? So that's what we're going to ask you to do if you want to do that uh, this morning. So again, uh, beautiful thing about it as Jesus was dying there upon the cross, not only did he have his mother in mind, uh, he had you and I in mind. As a matter of fact, he did something when he was with the disciples for the final time, took a piece of bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. His perfect body was broken because of our imperfect sins he said, every time you take that bread, every time you dip that, he said, do it in remembrance of me. I was broken so that you can be forgiven, that you can be made whole. And then he took that and he offered up the juice. And he said, this juice in this cup, he said, it represents the new blood of a new covenant. It's the blood of a new covenant, a new agreement, a new understanding between God and mankind. And he said, this juice it represents my blood that has been shed for everyone for the forgiveness of sin man if you've got sin that is the answer his blood was shed so we could be forgiven he said every time you do it remember this So this morning, we want you just again to come and not just know the forgiveness, the love, the mercy, the compassion, the beauty of God. We want you to experience it. God doesn't want you just to do this. He wants you to experience him in the doing of this. So just as you come this morning, just God, Awaken my heart to what you're doing. Awaken my heart to your love, to your grace, to your mercy, to your goodness, to your compassion, to your forgiveness. Awaken my heart so that we don't just go through this to do this, but we go through this to experience him. Father, we just again thank you so much for what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're learning through those seven things you said and did upon the cross. And God, how those are the seven things we also need to do and to say. And so God, I just ask, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning that like you, every one of us has a spiritual bucket list, things we need to do or say before we die. And so God, for those things that remain undone, those things that maybe we're not aware of this morning, I would just ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us clearly this morning, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would give us, again, just revelation, insight into what we need to put upon that list. And then, Father, we're going to bring it to the cross, and we're going to commit it to you. That because of what you did, we are committed to doing the same. And we just thank you for this opportunity, this moment of introspection, this moment of taking care of what we need to take care of. Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.